Well, good morning again, and uh, happy Father's Day to those of you to whom that pertains. In the second service this morning, we're going to be dedicating a number of uh, our children to the Lord. And so as I thought about that, it seemed appropriate, along with it being Father's Day, to think about Jesus and children. And there's a couple of uh, important texts that uh, we want to look at. And I'm going to take two here from Mark and uh, reflect a bit on uh, our understanding of, of children as it relates to faith and uh, challenge our hearts with that. So let's begin with Mark chapter 9 and uh, an interesting discussion that the disciples are having. They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. He took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. Now, I think the, the overriding question that this section is talking about is this question, who's important? The disciples obviously were concerned about that question because they are having a debate among themselves on the road that uh, they actually become embarrassed about when Jesus questions them. But the debate is, who among us is the greatest? Now, why are they raising that question? Well, in part, I think, it's because of what happens earlier in chapter 9. And, and chapter 9 gives us that account that we call the, the transfiguration. When uh, Jesus, with three of the disciples, Peter, James, and John, goes up into a mountain... And there he is transfigured, transformed in their sight. He is endued with glory uh, in an extraordinary way that leaves them uh, amazed, flustered, all those things. And uh, Moses and Elijah appear there and speak with Jesus. And it's a very powerful time. Now, it's not all the disciples that get to go up on the mountain, right? It's three of the twelve. And I think that's part of what sets up this passage because uh, the question is then, is there an inner circle among the disciples? And I think the answer is yes. I think Peter, James, and John are those disciples who develop that special relationship of intimacy with Jesus. But that that raises this question then, who's really important in the kingdom? 
Anyway, that's the debate they're having, and, and it's one we need to think about. The answer to the question, who is important, is one that we tend to be, be answering all the time for ourselves. We've, we've talked some about uh, this before in our transformation series. Those who are successful are whom? Well, we, we might decide that the successful are those who have power and influence. It might be those who have money, which is a form of of power. Uh, It might be those who are physically accomplished in one way or another. They have musical skills. They have athletic skills. It might be those who are physically attractive. we have all those different standards and those little, little games that we play to answer the question, who are the successful people? And we've, we've seen before that the structure of that kind of discussion is this shame-honor continuum or the success-failure continuum. It was being asked in Jesus' day. The disciples are asking it. Before that, we noticed uh, in, the, in the baptism stories about John the Baptist that uh, the Pharisees were asking that question, right? The Jewish leaders came out to John's baptism not to be baptized because their assumption was that they didn't need that. It was, uh, it was ordinary people who needed to be baptized, or particularly the sinners, the marginalized, the the people who had made various mistakes in life, whether it was tax collectors or prostitutes or shepherds or whoever. Now, you notice that the disciples are, are now in this question of who is important. They're really thinking along similar lines. The difference is that for them, Jesus is the one who is at the top of the honor scale. They are convinced by this time that he is the Messiah. He's the promised one. And uh, they've committed their lives to following him. They are traveling with him in his ministry. They are seeing the signs that he's doing, and they're participating in some ways. He's delegating authority to them to heal and to cast out demons and so forth. So in their understanding, it's Jesus who is at the top, and then they are somewhere on that scale because of their association with Jesus. That's the way they think of themselves. And this question that they're wrestling with, who is greatest in the kingdom, is part of that ranking that they're doing. And I think... uh, I think the fact that Peter, James, and John have been invited up to the Mount of Transfiguration has simply heightened that question. You can see how that would be significant. So who's important? And uh, I can easily hear Peter answering, well, I'm important. Look, look who, 
who went up on the mountain. Or James and John, the same thing. In fact, it's not too long after this that James and John come to Jesus and say, we have a request that we want you to grant. Yeah, what's that? Well, the request is this. We, we want that when you come into your kingdom, we get to sit on your right and left hand. That's that same issue, right? And it's a big one for not just these disciples, but for all disciples. Because, because this shame, honor, success, failure continuum is so big in our minds. And yet the disciples sense that there's something wrong about the question. Because when Jesus asks them what they were arguing about, what does it say? They don't want to talk about it. They, they sense that somehow it's inappropriate. So his response then is to sit down, verse 35, call them together, and then say anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and servant of all. When, uh, <clears throat> when we teach in our culture, we tend to have teachers stand up. It's, it's a mark of authority. In the ancient world, it was the reverse. When the rabbis were going to teach authoritatively, they sat down. So Mark is signaling something here when he says Jesus sat down. That's not just a throwaway comment. Jesus is teaching authoritatively at this point. Gathering his disciples around, he's going to address the question and he addresses it by bringing a little child into the conversation. Now, if you think about the, the shame-honor scale, the little child is one of the people who would be at the bottom. Because in the ancient world, children are not valued the way they are in contemporary society. Uh, children have have virtually no economic value in the ancient world. They have to be cared for. That takes energy that could well be devoted to earning your keep. I mean, these are, these are marginal living situations, right? Everybody needs to work, and children can't do that. So what value are they? And, and, and couple this with the fact that, that in the ancient world, you have about a 50% mortality rate from the time a child is born until they're 12 years old. About half of them are going to be gone anyway. So how much do you want to invest? So the child is, is one of the people who's at the bottom of the shame honor scale. But Jesus says that in the kingdom, the way things are evaluated is that the first have to be last. That's the way we're to think. It's not the way the disciples are thinking. It's not the way we usually think. But it's the way Jesus thinks. The first must be last. Other times he'll, he'll turn that around and say the first must be last and the last first. Uh, this, this basic saying shows up multiple times in the gospel which should tell us how important this notion is to our Lord. The first must be last. And Jesus then places himself with 
the children. Anyone who wants to serve in my kingdom, he says, will welcome children. And, and here's the extraordinary statement. Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but welcomes the one who sent me. So he brings himself and his father into closest uh, contact and community with the children. So, do you want to meet Jesus in your life? Do you want to be with him? I mean, that's one of the ways we define what a disciple is. It's someone who wants to be with Jesus. Well, how, how can you be with him? Well, there's not just a single answer to that. There's various ways to be together with Jesus and to be a disciple. But one of the ways, one of the ways is to be with children and to welcome them in Jesus' name. This is, this is an extraordinary statement about the importance of the children that God brings to us, whether in our own families or the families of others. It's an, it's an extraordinary statement about the privilege we have to serve children and to minister to them in the name of Jesus. It is a, it's a remarkable thing that for, what, over 40 years now, uh, we've had Indian Valley Nursery School here at Grace Bible Church. And it, it's been an interesting relationship to the church. It, it's, not, it's not clear from what I hear that all the members of Grace Bible Church thought that was a good idea. And, and to, to some extent, at some times, the nursery school has functioned kind of independently, being residents of our building, but not being incorporated in a deep way with our church. I, I think Jesus would say, no, you've you got to see that as immensely important as an opportunity not just to serve the children, but to meet with Jesus. I mean, he says he will be there, that he is there. You know, the playground over here <clears throat> during, during uh, school days is a fairly noisy place. It's right outside my office. And uh, I have gotten in the habit various days to uh, grab my coffee cup and go out and just stand by the fence and just observe and listen. Sometimes I get to talk with the kids, but they're very occupied with their own games and everything. But I, I stand there in part with this thought that Jesus is present there. As, as our staff welcome those children in the name of Jesus. 
He says, you welcome me. And you welcome my father. And so in the course of a day, I think, well, that, that'd be pretty good if I could meet Jesus, huh? And so I like to go out and stand. Uh, uh, sometimes I come over in the building here, not, not as frequently, but I'd, I just like to see those kids because I sense the presence of the Lord there and that, that God has given us an extraordinary opportunity to serve those children. Jesus is with the children. Who is important? Well, he says children are important. Now, let's go to chapter 10 and look at a related text. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never receive it or never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. Well, if, if in the previous text we looked at, the question is, who is important? I think the obvious question in this text is, who gets blessed? Jesus and his disciples are in the midst of a, a ministry tour. Ministry is about blessing, huh? Who gets blessed? To bless is to pronounce or to confer well-being, speaking good words that convey, well, that convey well-being, wholeness, health, comprehensive flourishing. That's that, that's that Old Testament word, shalom, huh? And the words of Jesus in particular confer shalom. They confer well-being. So who is going to receive that? That's the question in this passage. And the disciples have an answer to that one. Uh, Negative answer, not children. Because once again, they're still functioning in that framework of of a certain understanding of importance, and children are way down the scale for them. When Jesus sees the disciples prohibiting people from bringing their children to him, Mark says he was indignant. He was angry. Why? Because, he says, the kingdom belongs to the childlike. It belongs to children. It belongs to those who manifest some of the attitudes that children manifest. Two in particular, I think, are before us here. That is the attitude of the small and insignificant. That's how children are 
are viewed in the ancient world, and sometimes still in our world, but especially in the ancient world. Jesus says the kingdom of God is made up of people like this. Let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to people like these. Small, insignificant. People who can bring nothing to the table. People who seem not to provide value. What can the child provide? They need to be provided for. They can't feed themselves, especially the, the very small. And these are, these are small children being brought to Jesus, right? Because he holds them in his arms. So they can't provide for themselves. They can't protect themselves. They can't contribute to the work that the family needs to do. They are small and they are insignificant. And Jesus says this tells us something about the kingdom. That when people come to the kingdom, they come like these children who can't contribute to anything. So adults as well who come and enter into the kingdom come like children who don't bring anything as an asset or a value that can be added. And they are welcomed. I mean, this, this gets right to the heart of the gospel, doesn't it? We don't give something to God. He gives to us as we enter into the kingdom. The small and the insignificant. And the trusting and the receptive. I, I think this is another element of the children. The kingdom belonging to the, the childlike. Children are disposed to be trusting and receptive, especially to their caregivers. To their parents and other people they know. Exceptions to that? Sure, there are exceptions to that. There are abusive parents, but, but children are wired that way. And I love to watch children that have that relationship of trust to their parents. It takes me back to the days when my kids were small. I've always liked this, uh, this image because it suggests so much that attitude of trust. The, the little guy is ready to launch out, and unless his father is there to catch him, then gravity is going to cause some problems for him, right? I can remember with my own kids setting up little tests at times to test just this idea of trust and confidence. Because I, liked, I looked for that. I wanted that. Well, the kingdom is like that. The kingdom looks for people who have trust and confidence in Jesus and ultimately in God his Father. And that's a major part of the Sermon on the Mount, isn't it? Which is the, the perspective for the kingdom. So Jesus says, well, look at the flowers. 
Look how beautiful they are. Look how God provides for the flowers and understand that your relationship to the Father is like that. If God so clothes the grass of the field and the flowers of the field, will he not much more so clothe you, O you of little faith? You who lack confidence in his care. You who are not sure you can trust him. But in the kingdom, this is something that grows. It grows in us because we're learning to depend on the Father. The kingdom is like that. It looks for people who have that childlike confidence in their parents. Who gets blessed? Well, the people who are like children. Who is important? The people we might think are insignificant, the marginalized, those on the edges. The handicapped, the, uh, the elderly, the outsiders, the immigrants. These are the people who are important in the kingdom. These are the, poor, the ones that Jesus wants to bless. And, and he's the, these are the people that he wants us as disciples to value and to present his blessing. Well, so if you think about that, then uh, we got to talk about opportunities. Where where can we do that? Maybe you maybe you can't come over and join me uh, watching the playground during the week, but we have some opportunities. We have vacation Bible school coming up in a few weeks. And I was talking to Emily yesterday, and she says, yes, we can use more volunteers. And we volunteer knowing that children are important to the kingdom of God. And we volunteer believing that as we welcome children in the name of Christ, that we actually welcome him into our midst. Isn't that an extraordinary thing? So VBS, and then hopefully we are going to be back to a more normal operation as a church come this fall, including Sunday school classes, and uh, talking to Emily about that, she could use more volunteers to help in children's ministry. So she's not here in this service, she'll be around later, but... You can always call her, ask her what is available, what you might be interested in, knowing that as we welcome our children, we welcome Jesus. And then thinking about uh, Indian Valley Nursery School, two years ago we had uh, an event in the park across the street. We called it the Back to School Bash, and we welcomed the families of the kids in our nursery school. That was a good time. Last year, because of COVID, we didn't do it, but we've got it back on the schedule for this September. And we need people, especially from Grace Bible Church, because part of what we're trying to do in that event is to build the connection between the church and the school. Uh, About half of the families that send their children 
through Indian Valley Nursery School, about half of those families uh, don't have a church. And so this is a great opportunity for us to be present to them in a welcoming way, and uh, we're going to need some people to help staff that. So uh, we'll, we'll make more announcements about that as we get closer to it. But put that on your list, please, and come prepared to welcome people in the name of Jesus. Uh, just an encouraging note, you know, this past year with COVID, we had about 115 kids in the nursery school, and the current enrollment for the coming year is 175. So uh, really exciting what God is doing here. Enormous opportunity for us as a church. All right, well, let's pray together, and uh, you can consider these opportunities. Lord, we thank you for uh, the children that, that you have brought and are bringing to Grace Bible Church and to our nursery school. Thank you for your deep love and interest in the lives of these kids. And we pray, Lord, that you would give us a love and a compassion and, and help as we seek to serve them. And in serving them, uh, serve you as well. Uh, we commit our upcoming Vacation Bible School to you. And this uh, uh, back-to-school bash coming up uh, relatively soon uh, Lord, may these be events which uh, present many, many people, many of these children, with the reality of the gospel, the love of God in Christ to them. Uh, will you come and do a great work among us? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.